Welcome to Sleepy Head Stories today. We love to read books, be silly, and play. Me and my mommy are here every week to read you great stories that all are unique. Join us at bedtime, or bath time, or breakfast. We promise it's better than a trip to the dentist. Welcome to Sleepyhead Stories. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Sleepyhead Stories. This week we are going to be reading Chapter 5, which is all about Mr. Toad. I know we've heard about Mr. Toad in the beginning of the book a little bit. They went on the open road trail with Rat and Mole, all of them together, crashed the cart, But in this week's episode, we're going to learn a little bit more about Mr. Toad and see what's going on with him with all these automobile accidents and things that he's been doing. So stay tuned after the break and we will learn about Mr. Toad. Chapter 5. Mr. Toad. It was a bright morning in the early part of summer. The river had resumed its usual banks and its accustomed pace, and a hot sun seemed to be pulling everything green and bushy and spiky up out of the earth toward him, as if by strings. The mole and the water rat had been up since dawn, very busy on matters connected with boats and the opening of boating season, painting and varnishing, mending paddles, repairing cushions, hunting for missing boat hooks, and so on and the two were finishing their breakfast in their parlor and eagerly discussing their plans for the day when a heavy knock sounded at the door. "'Bother,' said Rat. "'See who it is, Mole. Look like a good chap, since you finished.' The Mole went to attend the summons, and the Rat heard him utter a cry of surprise. Then he flung the parlor door open and announced with much importance, "'Mr. Badger!' This was a wonderful thing indeed, that the badger should pay a formal call on them, or indeed on anybody. He generally had to be caught if you wanted him badly, as he slipped quietly along a hedgerow of an early morning or a late evening, or else hunted up in his own house in the middle of the wood, which was a serious undertaking. The badger strode heavily into the room and stood looking at the two animals with an expression full of seriousness. The rat let his egg spoon fall on the tablecloth and sat open-mouthed. "'The hour has come,' said the badger at last. "'What hour?' asked the rat uneasily, glancing at the clock on the mantel. "'Whose hour, you should say, rather?' replied the badger. "'Why Toad's hour? The hour of Toad,' I said." I would take him in hand as soon as the winter was well over, and I'm going to take him in hand today. Toad's hour, of course, cried the mole delightedly. Hooray, I remember now, we'll teach him to be a sensible toad. This very morning, continued the badger, taking an armchair, as I learned last night from a trustworthy source, another new and exceptionally powerful motor car will arrive at Toad Hall today. At this very moment, perhaps, Toad is busy arraying himself in those 
hideous clothes so dear to him, which transform him from a comparatively good-looking toad into an object which throws any decent-minded animal that comes across it into a violent fit. We must be up and doing, ere it is too late. You two animals will accompany me instantly to Toad Hall, and the work of the rescue shall be accomplished. Right you are, cried the rat, starting up. We'll rescue the poor unhappy animal. We'll convert him. He'll be the most converted toad that anyone has ever seen before when we're done with him. They set off up the road on their mansion of mercy. Badger leading the way. Animals, when in company, walk in a proper and sensible manner, in a single file line, instead of sprawling all across the road and being of no use or support to each other in case of sudden trouble or danger. They reached the carriage drive of Toad Hall to find, as the badger had anticipated, a shiny new motor car of great size, painted a bright red, Toad's favorite color, and standing in front of the house. As they neared the door, it flung open. Mr. Toad, arrayed in goggles, cap, gaiters, and enormous overcoat, came swaggering down the steps drawing on his gauntleted gloves. Hello, come on, you fellows, he cried cheerfully on catching sight of them. You're just in time to come with me for a jolly, to come with me for a jolly, for a jolly. His hearty accents faltered and fell away as he noticed the stern and unbending look on the faces of his silent friends and his invitation remained unfinished. The badger strode up the steps. Take him inside, he said sternly to his companions. Then, as Toad was hustled through the door, struggling and protesting, he turned to the chauffeur in charge of the new motor car. I'm afraid you won't be wanted today, he said. Mr. Toad has changed his mind. He will not require the car. Please understand that this is final. You needn't wait. Then he followed the others inside and shut the door. Now then, he said to the toad when the four of them stood together in the hall, first of all, take those ridiculous things off. I shall not, replied the toad with great spirit. What is the meaning of this gross outrage? I demand an instant explanation. Take them off him then, you two, ordered the badger briefly. They had to lay Toad out on the floor, kicking and calling all sorts of names before they could get to work properly. Then the rat sat on him, and the mole got his motor clothes off of him bit by bit, and they stood him up on his legs again. A good deal of his blustering spirit seemed to have evaporated with their removal. Now he was merely Toad, and no longer the terror of the highway. He giggled feebly and looked from one to the other, appealingly, seeming quite to understand the situation. "'You knew it would come to this sooner or later, Toad,' the badger explained severely. "'You've disregarded all warnings you were given. You've gone on squandering the money your father left you, and you're getting us animals, you're giving us animals a bad name in the district by your furious driving and your smashes and your rows with the police.' Independence is all very well, but we animals never allow our friends to make fools of themselves beyond a certain limit. And that limit you've reached. You've often asked us to come and stay with you. 
Toad, in this handsome house of yours, well, now you're going to get it. When we've converted you to the proper point of view, we may quit, but not before. Take him upstairs, you two, and lock him in his bedroom while we arrange matters between ourselves. It's for your own good, Toady, you know, said the rat kindly, as Toad was kicking and struggling as he was being hauled up the stairs by his two faithful friends. Think what fun we shall have together just as we used to when you've gotten quite over this, this painful attack of yours. We'll take great care of everything for you till you're well, Toad, said the mole, and we'll see your money isn't wasted as it's been. No more of those regrettable incidents with the police, Toad, said the rat, and they thrust him into his bedroom. And no more weeks in the hospital being ordered about by nurses, Toad, added the mole, turning the key on him. They descended down the stairs, Toad shouting abuse at them through the keyhole, and the three friends then met in conference on the situation. "'It's going to be a tedious business,' said the badger, sighing. "'I've never seen Toad so determined. However, we will see it out. He must never be left an instant unguarded. We shall have to take it in turns to be with him, till the poison has worked itself out of his system.' They've arraigned watches accordingly. Each animal took it in turns to sleep in Toad's room at night, and they divided the day up between them. At first, Toad was undoubtedly very trying to his careful guardians. When his violent passions possessed him, he would arrange bedroom chairs in rough resemblances of a motor car and crouch on the foremost of them, bent forward and staring fixedly ahead, making uncouth and ghastly noises till the climax was reached, when, turning a complete somersault, he would lie amidst the ruins of the chairs, apparently completely satisfied for the moment. As time passed, however, these painful seizures grew gradually less frequent, and his friends strove to divert his mind into fresh channels but his interest in other matters did not seem to revive, and he greatly and apparently grew languid and depressed. One fine morning the rat, whose turn it was to go on duty, went upstairs to relieve Badger, whom he found fidgeting to be off and stretched his legs in a long ramble round his wood and down his earth and burrows. Toad's still in bed, he told Rat outside the door. Can't get much out of him except, oh, leave me alone. He wants nothing, perhaps, but maybe he'd be better presently. It may pass off in time. Don't be unduly anxious, and so on. Now you look out, Rat. When Toad's quiet and submissive and playing at being the hero of a Sunday school prize, then he's at his artfulest. They're sure to be up to something, that Toad. I know him. Well, I must be off now. "'So how are you today, old chap?' inquired the rat cheerfully as he approached Toad's bedside. He had to wait some minutes for an answer. At last, a feeble voice replied, "'Thank you so dear much, Ratty. So good of you to inquire. But first tell me how are you, and how is Mole?' "'Oh, we're all right,' replied the mole, replied the rat. "'Mole,' he added incautiously, "'is going out for a run round with Badger.' They'll be out till lunchtime, so you and I will be able to spend some time together, and I'll do my best to amuse you. Now, jump up. There's a good fellow, and don't lie mopping there on the floor. Jump up. It's a fine morning. Dear kind rat, 
murmured Toad. How little you realize my condition and how very far I am from jumping up right now, if ever. But do not trouble about me. I hate being a burden to my friends and I do not expect to be one much longer. Indeed, I almost hope not. Well, I hope not too, said the rat heartedly. You've been a fine bother to us all this time and I'm glad to hear it's going to stop. And in weather like this, and the boating season just beginning. It's too bad of you, Toad. It isn't the trouble we mind, but you're making us miss such an awful lot. I'm afraid it is the trouble you mind, though, replied the Toad languidly. I can't quite understand it. It's natural enough. You're tired of bothering about me. I mustn't ask you to do anything further. I'm a nuisance, I know. You are indeed, said the Rat. But I tell you, I'd take any trouble on earth for you. If only you'd be a little sensible animal. If I thought that, Ratty, murmured the toad more feebly than ever, then I would beg you for the last time, probably, to step round to the village as quickly as possible, even now it may be too late, and fetch the doctor. But don't you bother. It's only a trouble and perhaps we may as well let things take their course. Why? What do you want a doctor for? inquired the rat, coming closer and examining him. He certainly lay very still and flat, and his voice was weaker, and his manner had much changed. Surely you've noticed of late, murmured Toad. But no, why should you? Noticing things is only a trouble. Tomorrow, indeed, you may be saying to yourself, Oh, if only I had noticed sooner. If only I had done something. But no, it's a trouble. Never mind. Forget I asked. Look here, old man, said the rat, beginning to get rather alarmed. Of course I'll fetch a doctor for you if you really think you want him. But you hardly be bad enough for that yet. Let's talk about something else. I fear, dear friend, said the toad with a sad smile, that talk can do little in a case like this, or doctors either. For that matter, still, one must grasp at the slightest straw. And by the way, while you are about it, I hate to give you an additional trouble, but I happen to remember that you will pass the door. Would you mind at the same time asking the lawyer to step up? It would be a convenience to him, and there are moments, perhaps I should say there is a moment, when one must face disagreeable tasks at whatever cost to exhausted nature. A lawyer? Oh, he must be really bad, the affrighted rat said to himself as he hurried from the room, not forgetting to lock the door carefully behind him. Outside, he stopped to consider. The other two were far away, and he had no one to consult. It's best to be on the safe side, he said on reflection. I've known Toad fancy himself frightfully bad before, without the slightest reason, but I've never heard him ask for a lawyer. If there's nothing really the matter, the doctor will let him tell him uh, himself and cheer him up, and then something will be gained there. So I better go off. He ran to the village on his errand of mercy. The toad, who had hopped lightly out of bed as soon as he heard the key turn in the lock, watched him eagerly from the window till he disappeared down the carriage drive. 
Then, laughing heartily, he dressed as quickly as possible in the smartest suit he could lay his hands on at the moment, filled his pockets with cash, which he took from a small drawer in the dressing table, and next, knotting the sheets from his bed and tying one end of the improvised rope round the central mullison of the handsome Tudor window, which formed such a feature of his bedroom. He scrambled out, slid lightly to the ground, and, taking the opposite direction of the rat, he marched off lightheartedly, whistling a merry tune. It was a gloomy luncheon for Rat when the badger and the mole at length returned and had to face them at the table with his pitiful and unconvincing story. Meanwhile, Toad merrily and irresponsibly was walking briskly along the high road some miles from home. At first he had taken bypaths and crossed many fields and changed his course several times in case of pursuit. But now, feeling by this time safe from recapture and the sun smiling brightly on him and all nature joining in a chorus of approval to the song of self-praise that his own heart was singing to him, he almost danced along the road in his satisfaction and conceit. "'Smart piece of work, that,' he remarked to himself, chuckling." brain against brute force and brain came out on top as it's bound to do poor old ratty filled full of conceited thoughts such as these he strode along his head in the air till he reached a little town where the sign of the red lion swinging across the road halfway down the main street reminded him that he had not had breakfast that day and that he was exceedingly hungry after his long walk he marched into the inn ordered the best luncheon that could be provided at such a short notice, and he sat down to eat it. He was about halfway through his meal when only too familiar sound approached down the street, made him start and fall a-trembling all over. The poop-poop drew nearer and nearer. The car could be heard, turned into the inn-yard, and come to a stop. Presently the party entered, hungry, talkative, and happy, loud on their experiences of the morning and the merits of the chariot that had brought them along so well. Toad listened eagerly, all ears, for a time. At last he could stand it no longer. He slipped out of the room. Sorry about that, guys. He slipped out of the room quietly, paid his bill at the bar, and as soon as he got outside, sauntered round quietly into the yard. There cannot be any harm, he said to himself, in only just looking at it. The car stood in the middle of the yard, quite unattended. Toad walked slowly round it, musing deeply. I wonder, he said to himself presently, I wonder if this sort of car starts easily. Next moment, hardly knowing how it came about, he found he had hold of the handle and was turning it. As the familiar sound broke forth, the old passion seized on Toad and completely mastered him, body and soul. As if in a dream, he found himself, somehow, seated in the driver's seat. As if in a dream, he pulled the lever and swung the car round the yard and out through the archway. And, as if in a dream, all sense of right and wrong, all fear of obvious consequences seemed temporarily suspended. 
he increased his pace, and as the car devoured the street and leapt forth on the high road through the open country, he was only conscious that he was towed once more. Towed at his best and highest. Towed the terror, the traffic queller, the lord of the lone trail, before whom all must give way or be smitten into nothingness and everlasting night. He chanted as he flew, and the car responded with sonorous drones. The miles were eaten up under him as he sped. He knew not where he went, fulfilling his instincts, living his hour, reckless of what might come to him. To my mind, observed the chairman of magistrates cheerfully, the only difficulty that presents itself in this otherwise very clear case is how we can possibly make it sufficiently hot for the incorrigible rogue and hearted ruffian whom we see cowering in the dock before us. Let me see. He has been found guilty on the clearest evidence first of stealing a valuable motor car, secondly of driving dangerously in public, and thirdly of gross impertinence to the rural police. Mr. Clerk, will you tell us, please, what is the very stiffest penalty we can impose for each of these offenses? The clerk scratched his nose with his pen. Some people would consider, he observed, that stealing the motor car was the worst offense, and so it was. But cheeking the police undoubtedly carries the severest penalty, and so it ought. Supposing you were to say, Twelve months for theft, which is mild, and three years for the furious driving, which is lenient, and fifteen years for the cheek, which is pretty bad, sort of. Judging by what we've heard from the witness box, those figures, if added together correctly, tot up to nineteen years. So, you had better make it around twenty years and be on the safe side. An excellent suggestion, said the chairman approvingly. Prisoner, it's going to be 20 years for you this time. And mind, if you appear before us again upon any charge whatever, we shall have to deal with you very seriously. Then the brutal minions of the law fell upon the hapless toad, loaded him with chains and dragged him from the courthouse, shrieking, praying, protesting across the marketplace, were the playful populace always as severe upon detected crimes as they were sympathetic and helpful when one is merely wanted, assailed him with jeers, carrots, and popular catchwords, past hooting children, across the hollowing-sounding drawbridge, below the spiky portcullis, under the frowning archway of the grim old castle, whose ancient tower soared high overhead, past guard rooms full of grinning soldiers off duty, past sentries who coughed in a horrid, sarcastic way, because that is as much as a sentry on his post dare to do to show his contempt of a crime. Up time-worn winding stairs he went, past men at arms darting threatening looks through their visors, across courtyards where mastiffs strained at their leashes and pawed at the air to get him, past ancient warders, their horribles leant against the wall, dozing over a pastry and a flagon of brown ale, on and on, past the rack chamber, 
and the thumbscrew room, past the turning that led to the private scaffold till they reached the door of the most grimmest dungeon that lay in the heart of the innermost keep. There, at last, they paused, where an ancient galler sat, fingering a bunch of mighty keys. "'Odds bodkins!' said the sergeant of police, taking off his helmet and wiping his forehead. Rouse the old loon and take over from us this vile toad, a criminal of deepest guilt and matchless artfulness. The galler nodded grimly, laying his withered hand on the shoulder of the miserable toad. The rusty key creaked in the lock. The great door clanged behind them, and toad was a helpless prisoner in the remotest dungeon of the best guarded keep of the stoutest castle in all the length and breadth of merry England. Guys, that's the end of chapter five. So Toad has got himself in a big heap of trouble. He's been sentenced to prison for 20 years because he stole that car, sped it around the town, and even ran from the police. He's in some big trouble, even though his friends Badger, Rat, and Mole tried to help him with his addiction to cars and his unhealthy behavior. He tricked Rat and got away, and now he's in some trouble. We'll be back next time with episode six. Thanks, guys. Have a great day or a great night.